Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I am your fearless leader, Clay Travis. Was just checking some interesting news there that I want to make sure that I flag to include in the show. I hope all of you are having a great Wednesday, wherever you may be across this fantastic world. I am Clay Travis, and of course, this is Outkick the Show. So we got a lot to dive into here. Uh, I'll give you my college football gambling picks on the conference title games. Uh, We've got uh, Disney on the ropes. I'm going to tell you about the challenge that's going on now with cord cutting and streaming, both leading to billions of dollars in potential losses. Hugh Freeze has officially been announced as the next coach at Auburn. Trent Dilfer is headed to UAB. I will discuss both of those. We have a new Democrat leader in the House, Hakeem Jeffries. He is an election denier. Oh my goodness, we're all in trouble here. Uh, Amazon has issued a statement uh, through their new CEO, Andy Jassy, on the Kyrie Irving documentary that got Kyrie suspended from the NBA. And like I said, I'll give you all my conference title game gambling picks. But we begin with the college football playoff rankings. And I got to be honest with you, No issue with number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan, number three, TCU, number four, USC. I don't even have an issue with Ohio State at five, but I have no idea how the committee, being honest with itself, can put Alabama above Tennessee when Alabama beat Tennessee, sorry, Tennessee beat Alabama head-to-head, and Tennessee's got better wins, right? Tennessee beat LSU by 27. Alabama lost. They have common opponents. Tennessee beat Vanderbilt by more with Joe Milton at quarterback. Tennessee obviously beat LSU by far more because Alabama lost to them. Tennessee beat LSU by 27. People say, well, you lost by a lot of points to South Carolina, Tennessee. Okay, but Tennessee beat LSU by a lot of points. And South Carolina is now the number 19 team in the country. So is it really that bad to have lost on the road against one of the 20 best teams in college football when you beat Alabama and you beat LSU? Tennessee lost on the road at Georgia, the number one team. So Tennessee went 2-2 and against top 25 opponents, including two wins against teams in the top 15. And I just, I, I don't get this, a loss against number one and a loss against number 19. Whereas Alabama's best wins, probably Texas, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, they all went eight and four. Alabama lost to both teams that they played with nine or more wins this year. And Alabama finished fourth in the SEC. If you put the teams in non-division format, Tennessee would have been in the SEC championship game against Georgia which is what the what the SEC championship game, frankly, should be. But Alabama would be behind LSU as well because LSU beat them head-to-head. So the Crimson Tide is in fourth place in the SEC, 
and yet somehow they're in sixth place in the nation, ranked as the second best SEC team. It just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and so I don't think it's going to matter because Alabama's not going to make the college football playoff no matter what. And I don't think Tennessee would either. And I don't think Ohio State should. But the rankings matter in the context of where you end up going to a bowl game. And Tennessee should be going to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, so that is, uh, that is worth contemplation out there. Big question is going to be, okay, USC plays on Friday against Utah. Uh, you've got Kansas State on Saturday playing against TCU. You've got uh, Michigan going up against uh, Purdue. And you have, as I said a minute ago, LSU going up against Georgia. Why do we need any of these games? Big picture question. There are five champions in the Power Five. Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, uh, and frankly, Clemson, although nobody cares about the ACC at all. We play an entire season to find out who the best team is in those conferences. One game, no matter what the outcome is of that one game, is not going to change who the best team was in any of the five major conferences in America. So why are we playing these games at all is my first question, and I've been on this for a while. The answer is money, but it doesn't tell us anything about who's better. But the larger context here is why would Ohio State deserve to jump USC even if USC wins, sorry, loses against Utah? And I'll talk to you about that in a moment. But first, here are my five gambling picks. Friday night. Don't get lost on this one. This game is in Las Vegas. It's on Friday on Fox. Uh, USC is playing against Utah. I like USC minus two and a half points. I think Caleb Williams is playing at such a high level that USC will avenge the loss that they had by one point earlier in the season, 43 to 42, I believe and get the win over Kyle Whittingham's Utah team. USC, I like minus two and a half. I also like uh, TCU minus two and a half against Kansas State. TCU gets a second win against Kansas State. They've already beaten all nine of the other teams in the Big 12. Remember, there's 10 teams in the Big 12 right now as we wait for the additions to the conference to happen. I don't know uh, why... TCU would be out of the playoff at all. I think TCU's in no matter what happens, but I've got TCU minus two and a half. I like LSU plus the points. This line has gotten all the way up to 18 and a half some places. That's where it was this morning uh, for me on FanDuel. Uh, LSU plus the 18 and a half points. I'm not sold on the Georgia offense. Georgia defense, very good. Last time Brian Kelly's team lost bad. Uh, was against Tennessee by 27. This is a bad loss on the road against uh, Texas A&M. I think LSU will bounce back well in the SEC championship game. I think they cover the 17 and a half, 18, 18 and a half, depending on where you're getting it. I think they cover a big number there. Uh, I also uh, like Purdue. Even though there's no reason Purdue should be in the Big Ten championship, they're eight and four. Every year this happens, a team comes stumbling out of the Big Ten West because the divisions are so unequal. Big Ten East, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State. Big Ten West, nothing comparable to those three most years. And so I think Purdue's going to lose. 
But I like Purdue plus all the points. I think that line right now, 16 and a half. I like Purdue plus the number there to be able to cover over two touchdowns. And then the other game is, look, UNC's last four have been super close, all decided by three or less. UNC has lost two games in a row, I know, including the hated rival NC State on a really shanked field goal. But I think UNC covers the seven and a half, and this is a field goal level game against Clemson because, frankly, I just don't think the Clemson Tigers are very good. So that is my five playoff picks, uh, sorry, conference title games as we get ready for the playoffs. My five conference title game picks, uh, those are out there. I appreciate all of you for riding with me on the college football gambling picks. Third straight week of winners. Uh, We now are over 500 uh, on our picks. Uh, Got back on a little bit of a roll. I picked five straight best games, five straight locks to win on Big Noon to finish the season. So I hope you hopped on there. 4-0 Thanksgiving. And the OutKick six-pack is doing really well in the NFL so far this year. In fact, if you have bet every single bet that I have given you in the OutKick six-pack and on the OutKick college football gambling picks, you know you're over 54% winners on the year, which means you've got a little bit of extra jingle in your pocket. Just tossing it out there. Hope you have managed to make uh, some money there. Now, I just said, I don't understand if USC plays a competitive game against Utah and were to lose, let's say, by a field goal. I don't understand why Ohio State would deserve to make the playoff when Ohio State didn't play this weekend. So I understand in general the concept of, hey, Conference title game wins should count for more. But right now, the college football playoff has told us the four best teams in college football are Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and USC. All four of those teams have to play completely unnecessary college conference title games. Meanwhile, Alabama, Ohio State, Tennessee, they're all sitting on the sideline. Tennessee's on the sideline and Ohio State are on the sideline because the Big Ten and the SEC stick with these stupid divisions when otherwise Ohio State would be in the Big Ten title game and Tennessee would be in the SEC title game. But why would Ohio State, which just lost at home by 22 to Michigan, deserve to get in the college football playoff if USC, which was the best team all year in the Pac-12, loses to Utah. Now, Utah's 9 and 3. They lost Utah did to a 6 and 6 Florida Gator team. Uh they uh beat um uh they lost against Oregon and uh they lost against UCLA, I believe are the three losses Utah has this year. They're not the best team. Okay? USC has been. Why would USC get penalized for being good enough to play an extra game while Ohio State gets rewarded because they weren't good enough to play an extra game. doesn't make any sense to me. Just want you to think about that a little bit. If USC wins on Friday, they're definitely in, and I think the top three are locked in, right? I think they all have better resumes. 
than you uh, than Ohio State, Tennessee, or um, or Alabama. But in addition to the fact that Tennessee should be above Alabama, how in the world would Ohio State, which finishes its season by losing by 22 at home, deserve to be in the playoff? Because USC, which won the Pac-12 regular season title, happens to lose a game at the end of the year when they have virtually nothing to play for because they're already into the playoff. I just think that's an interesting question. Hugh Freeze uh, is officially to Auburn yesterday when I talked with all of you. I told you that I thought that Auburn should hire Hugh Freeze. I think that all of the criticisms of Hugh Freeze will diminish very quickly. And if you look at Auburn's schedule, they should win six or seven games pretty easily next year. All four out-of-conferences should be wins. They should be able to win two or three uh, in the SEC. I think six or seven wins in year one, very doable for Hugh Freeze based on what the 2023 Auburn schedule looks like. Cadillac Williams staying is big. And Hugh Freeze will win at Auburn because Hugh Freeze has won everywhere he has ever coached. Now, does he come with some baggage? Sure. But is Hugh Freeze the best option available to Auburn given that Lane Kiffin turned down the job and decided to stay at Ole Miss for $9 million a year? Yes, I do think that Hugh Freeze is the best option to Auburn. I think it was a good choice. And all of the criticism for Hugh Freeze will last about 24 hours and then it'll vanish if he actually wins games, which I think he is going to be able to win. Um, So a couple of other different stories out there. Trent Dilfer. So Trent Dilfer lives near me here in the Nashville area. Had him on the show a lot over the years. He has been very successful in his post-NFL quarterback career, uh, both in media and now as a high school football coach here in the Nashville area. He's built a really good program. He's got one of the best, if not the best, high school football teams in the state of Tennessee. And now the University of Alabama Birmingham, UAB, has hired Trent Dilfer. I also like this hire. Um, Dilfer has been really good with quarterbacks for a long time. He knows every decent quarterback in the country. He's been working with them for the elite 11 for years and years. He's well known because of all the time that he spent on ESPN breaking down quarterback play. Uh, I got to watch Dilfer work out Tua. Uh, Remember, Tua couldn't travel. He was recovering from the broken hip, and he wasn't able to go uh, on the road because of COVID, so they had to have uh, some special workouts during that time. Uh, And I thought it was really interesting to see Trent Dilfer work with Tua. He said Tua was going to be a really good NFL quarterback. By the way, that has now been confirmed uh, with Mike McDaniel, what it's been capable of. Uh, the, the Dolphins are sitting at 8-3, and three, Tyreek Hill and uh, Jalen Waddell, an incredible combo for the Dolphins, who right now are the overall number two seed in college football. Sorry, in the NFL. Uh, but I like Trent Dilfer to UAB. I think it's an interesting hire. And what you're starting to see a little bit in college football, which you didn't see for a long time, and even a little bit in the NFL, is suddenly people are being considered with a little bit of a non-traditional background. Deion Sanders got to go coach at Jackson State. Uh, You've got Jeff Saturday suddenly getting the job in Indianapolis. You're starting to see, instead of people taking, hey, 
that offensive or defensive coordinator and giving him a head job, they are starting to make interesting decisions. Uh, Deion Sanders now has been offered the Colorado job, maybe multiple jobs out there uh, that are trying to hire Deion after all the success he's had uh, at Jackson State. But Trent Dilfer, to me, has the potential based on his ability to coach quarterbacks and what he's done with this program that he built from nothing effectively at Lipscomb uh, to do really, really well. Um, And uh, certainly I wish him well there. We'll be right back. Got to take a little break here. We are rolling without kicking. You don't want to miss a moment. Stay tuned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, we have right now a quote that I think is interesting from uh, Amazon. You know, Kyrie Irving has been under fire for a lot of uh, the comments that are out there uh, surrounding when he basically shared this documentary which is available on Amazon, the link for it, Kyrie Irving was immediately under siege. Well, this is from Mark Burns, uh, who tweeted, Amazon's Andy Jassy, this is Amazon CEO, said the company has no plans to remove the anti-Semitic documentary Brooklyn Nets Kyrie Irving shared on social media last month. Jassy said, we have to allow access to those viewpoints even if they are objectionable. Uh, I actually agree uh, with Andy Jassy, and I give him credit. That's coming via the New York Times Deal Book Summit, which is going on right now. I give credit to Andy Jassy for that decision because that's a First Amendment marketplace of ideas embrace, okay? Um, And so when you consider that factor, I would just ask you all of this. Why was Kyrie Irving criticized more for sharing a link to an Amazon documentary than Amazon was for actually hosting the documentary? Just an interesting question. Should the multi-billion dollar, one of the biggest companies in the world, Amazon, which I believe had a trillion dollar plus valuation very recently, it may still be over a trillion dollars, Should that company not be subject to more criticism than Kyrie Irving? And I agree with Amazon's decision not to censor itself when it comes to removing this documentary. But why was Kyrie Irving ripped to the high heavens and most people didn't even have a negative word for Amazon? All Kyrie did was share the fact that this documentary is available on Amazon If you were going to blame someone, would you blame someone for sharing a link to a publicly available documentary or would you blame the company that is hosting the documentary and actually theoretically making money off of it? That is, I think, one of the most intriguing conversations that nobody actually dove into and examined. To me, that's the question that should be being asked uh, right now. A couple of other things. 
There's a new Democrat leader in the House. He is an election denier. And I want to make sure that I share this because we've been getting lectured time after time after time. Everybody out there has been saying, oh my goodness, the worst thing you could do is deny the legitimacy of an election. That is a direct threat to democracy. Well, Hakeem Jeffries tweeted, the more we learn about 2016 election, the more illegitimate, all caps, it becomes. America deserves to know whether we have a, all caps, fake president in the Oval Office, hashtag Russian interference. Now, I want you to, you just heard me read that. That's from Greg Price, by the way, who collated this and shared it on Twitter. I want to ask you this. Why is almost no one in the media going to ask Hakeem Jeffries, the new leader of the House Democrat Party, about his election denialism in 2016, given that we've all been told that denying the legitimacy of an election in 2020 is the biggest and most dangerous threat to our democracy imaginable. So why was Hakeem Jeffries able to denounce and question the 2016 election? Why is he allowed to deny it? And there are no consequences given what Democrats have been saying about 2020 now for two full years. Just an intriguing question. And why will there be almost no media out there, almost no members of the media at all that are willing to even ask other Democrats about those opinions? Fairly significant issue here. You would think that somebody would be discussing it. Finally, this is a big story. Disney has a new leader in Bob Iger. They fired Bob Chapek. Disney is now trying to step back from all the crazy woke antics of the past several years. And some people say, okay, why is that happening? And do you believe it's real? Here's what is beyond question the biggest part of this story. Right now, Disney is in immense troubles associated with its business. In particular, and I've been telling you this for a while, and all of a sudden, all the market, everybody's catching up, and they're like, oh, wow, this is troubling. So Disney has been trying to sell the idea, and I'll use ESPN as an example. So ESPN makes a ton of money based on cable and satellite bundles. Their entire business model is if you subscribe to Comcast or DirecTV or whoever your sponsor is, you are paying around $9 a month for Disney. And if you are paying around $9 a month, sorry, for ESPN, that's over $100 a year, right? Easily. The problem is there used to be 100 million subscribers to cable and satellite. Now they are rapidly declining and we're down close to 70 million subscribers and many people think we're headed to 50 million subscribers. What that means is the revenue for Disney from an ESPN-like network, which they own ESPN, has basically been cut in half. So let's pretend that you were making $100 million a year. Now ESPN is making $50 million a year. And this is not direct math. I'm just talking about it, all right? 
So, 50% cut. Well, what they've been trying, Disney has, to sell to the larger marketplace is the idea, okay, cable and satellite bundle as people are cord cutting and we are losing all of those dollars that we're making off cord cutting. Well, we're going to make it back through streaming. The problem is streaming is nowhere near as profitable of a business. In fact, so far, Disney has lost $8 billion. That's billion with a B, $8 billion on streaming. And the panic that is starting to set in is the analogy I hit you with a year or two ago. I said, you've got two ships that are floating on the sea. One of them is cable and satellite bundle. The other one is streaming. And the idea that they were trying to sell at Disney was, as this ship sinks, as the cable and satellite bundle starts to take on water and starts to sink, well, this other ship is going to pull up next door and everybody's just going to step from one to the other. And then the rising tide's going to lift and we're going to make the same kind of money off of streaming. The problem is, it's not actually true. Both of these businesses now are taking on massive amounts of water and they're in danger of sinking. And so far, what Disney's been doing is they've been covering up for all of these losses in the cable and satellite bundle and in streaming by rapidly and massively increasing what it costs to go to Disney World or Disneyland. Do you know, under its most recent price increase, it's $189 a ticket to go to Disney World on a peak day. $189 a ticket. Putting that in perspective, that means that my family would spend, three kids, me and my wife, almost $1,000 just to go to Disney World to get in. That doesn't count what we would spend on food and drink, doesn't count on lodging, doesn't count on what we'd have to spend to travel there. Disney is pricing its amusement parks way higher than they have traditionally. And I actually, it was funny, over Thanksgiving, my dad went back. My dad is a guy who keeps track of every expense. He went back and looked, uh, and he said, it cost $10 for adult tickets to Disney World when I was a little kid. If you had used the same inflation, those tickets would now be $30 for adults. Instead, they're almost $200. So that's a pretty crazy rate of inflation to think about as it pertains to the cost of one day at the park. And I'm just tossing this out there. What percentage of American families can afford to go to Disney World now? When you're talking about a family of five, three kids and two parents, costing $1,000 a day nearly at the peak cost on a popular day to go to Disney World, that's pretty massive. Uh, And that's pricing a huge, um, I think, majority of American families out of being able to ever even go to Disney World. On top of that, they basically reached peak park pricing levels. This is why they panicked and fired Bob Chapek. This is also why Bob Iger is trying to say, oh, we're not going to be woke going forward because when they were making a lot of money hand over fist, they could not worry about the money that they were losing off being woke. This new animated movie that Disney just did, they're going to lose over $100 million on it. Even Black Panther 2 
is not as successful as it has been in the past. Black Panther 1 was way more successful. The Marvel movies are starting to dry up. The Star Star Wars movies are starting to dry up. They're losing billions of dollars on Disney Plus and all of its ancillary businesses. This is a panic situation at Disney. And the stock market has taken notice because Disney stock is essentially the same price it was eight years ago. That is, you want to go buy Disney stock, you've held it for eight years. It's the same price now that it was back in 2014 or so. Why is that significant? Because guess when cord cutting really started to accelerate when people decided they didn't need a cable and satellite subscription 2014. It's going to be a big challenge for ESPN as it pertains to rights fees going forward. How disciplined is Disney going to be in terms of what they can afford to spend when it comes to all of these rights fees? In particular, the NBA, maybe the college football playoff expansion, all of that is going to cost a lot more money And the challenge with streaming is you have to constantly be giving somebody something new because a lot of people will sign up for streaming services, watch everything they want to watch, and then cancel. It's not necessarily the same annuity that a cable or satellite bundle was. This is a big deal in media. It's why you're seeing everybody cutting costs. Cord cutting is a major issue, but cord cutting in conjunction with streaming is a disaster for virtually every company out there. Disney has got two sinking ships, and ESPN, I think, is really totally and completely screwed. All right, I'm going to go work more on my new book, which will be out next year, title to be determined. This has been Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP. Thank you for hanging with us, as always, on Outkick.